Welcome everyone to the gaming couch. Be it video games, card games, or board games, we'll have a good time playing. So come and join me on the couch. This is your host, Smart Boy. Hello everyone. Uh, I assume most of you got the, we'll call it sad news, of Reggie of Nintendo stepping down as president. And the new guy, Bowser, going to be stepping in and taking over the reins. Now, I want to do a quick take on this, just because it, I feel it's really important for a completely different reason. Like, most of the times when a big company has a change in leadership with the president, CEO, or whatever, you have that switch, that could mean a lot for the company. Now, looking at Nintendo from the consumer point of view, because I don't know how any of that works on their end, it's a little upsetting because Reggie was kind of the face of Nintendo over here in the States for the longest time in such a good way. Like, he knew, and I know a lot of people, like, commented on this and made videos about this, but he knew how to deliver to the people. He knew how to get people energized and things like that. Like, it was always a treat seeing him on stage or when there was a video release with him. It was always a treat to see because he was able to convey the information, but in a very humorous way that worked. Like, you could tell this man really loved doing what he did. And now this new guy stepping in, will we get that same amount of love as a consumer? And I think that's why a lot of us loved Reggie was he was able to show that love to the consumer, not just the company. So I hope with this new guy, he does take care of Nintendo as he needs to as president, but I really hope he's able to kind of keep up that legacy that Reggie made. You definitely won't be able to match the guy. Like, there's something very special about Reggie. You won't be able to match him, but at least be able to deliver something that is still enjoyable at times. Because if he doesn't, it's going to be a little heartbreaking on our end, I feel, just watching where Nintendo goes, because part of that hype was Reggie hyping up the game. Like, it's great to see the game release, and it's great to see what crazy thing Reggie comes up with to advertise or talk about it or whatever, you know. So moving forward from that little sad bit, like Reggie, you will surely be missed and wish the best for you going forward. I decided to to try something like I popped open the GameSpot website and just I wanted to see the latest stories, the trending stuff they had on their homepage. I was curious kind of what's the talk of the town right now, at least for them. And I got to say, it's a lot of the same. It really is a lot of the same. Like, just reading down some of the entries, Duke Nukem Devs uh, unveil a new shooter that's out of the 90s, Devil May Cry 5 tips, Devil May Cry 5 more tips, uh, an Anthem update, which, okay, cool. Uh, Creators of Days Gone talk brings on Apocalypse back to Unfected Territory. Another Days Gone about something, Crackdown 2, you know, Apex Legends, Division 2, a lot of sequel talk here and sequels definitely have their place and even not fully direct sequels like a rainbow six style fps ready or not gets extended gameplay trailer okay so it's not a direct sequel of rainbow six but it's a rainbow six style so that's kind of going where i'm hoping for the thing i'm hoping for is you can't make something brand spanking new at this point because pretty much every genre has been 
touched or created. And at this point, making anything new, quote unquote, would just be a slight change in the formula. So I'm not saying bring us something brand spanking new, but revisit an idea that hasn't gotten a lot of love. Like there's a lot of talk here of hack and slash adventures, FPS and sequels, Division 2, Crackdown 2, Double May Cry 5, all that kind of stuff. It it wears us down, okay? The closest thing that, that is intriguing is the Duke Nukem devs coming up with a new shooter. All, all right. I mean, with what happened with Duke Nukem Forever, eh, it's like a, a little hesitant, but it's something at least. And just looking at the images real quick, it has, you know, that original Duke Nukem look and feel, and it has that Doom feel, you know, the the classics from way back when. So uh, that's something, that's something. Because I want more of that. I want not complete retro, but I want something that hasn't been touched in a while. And looking over this, it looks like it's called Wraith Anon of Ruin or something like that. And I'm bad with English. It looks like kind of a classic shoe that we haven't had in a while. I mean, my hopes, looking at 2019 and just looking over what GameSpot's kind of highlighting right now, I really hope there will be talk soon of another good boss rush style game like Fury, because I freaking love those style games, or even, I don't know, give us something like Enter the Gungan again. Like, there's been, a, like, we had a year, you know, Slay the Spire, like, after Isaac, we had Slay the Spire. We had Enter the Gungan. We had Into the Breach. We had a long list of randomized, roguelike, procedural generated, however you want to call it, was being cranked out. And now it's kind of stopped. I think kind of the run of that style, that genre, has ran its course. But it might have to go back to that. Because, yeah, Enter the Gungan took what Isaac created. And I think really perfected the formula having that nice mix of roguelike stuff with randomized weapons randomized rooms randomized enemies randomized bosses for each floor and all that stuff but just that really fun energy of a bullet hell top-down shooter that we've seen here and there in a couple games so bring something like that back but for right now i just kind of want to focus on this whole idea of a Fury-like game. Boss Rush games, like, I love boss fights in games. I talked about it plenty of times in the past. I love boss fights. They're a really great way of just wrapping up a section of a game or wrapping up a game as a whole or just whatever, just having that milestone in a game. And something like Fury, since it focused on it, the gameplay felt very rewarding because each fight was an impact there wasn't a lot of like trash like i said enter the gungan did very well in almost i I know i said it i take it back a little bit you can't ever be perfect but like enter the gungan pretty much had a very close perfection style of that binding of isaac roguelike-esque you know dungeon creator yet there was a lot of trash for you to deal with every room until you got to the boss with the exception of a few special rooms it was kind of just a trash room. You fought some random Joe Blows that, yeah, it matters if you got hit, you lost the HP, but it didn't have a huge, huge impact. I feel like the bosses where it comes into play. Like, this is really going to show, do the guns you have 
come up to the challenge because a lot of the bosses in that game you know don't have cover you don't have any pillars to hide behind it comes down to can you dodge and can you shoot and the better your guns the better chance you have of getting through because if you have a high rate of fire or it's massive damage dealing burst damage you can get rid of the boss and not get tired from all that dodging so fury says it got rid of all that trash and it focuses on the bosses we got to have this great great sense of victory beating the bosses and also, we got to just go into the next fight. There was that breather period between each fight, obviously. Yet, we got to jump in right away. We didn't have to, like, deal with a cutscene, fight some goons, and then get to the boss. It was cutscene, boss. Cutscene, boss. Give us something like that again. Like, It's not something that's seen very, very often. And I'm going to admit, off the top of my head, I know a Fury... And outside of, like, a boss rush style, you know, like something like out of Kirby where they have a boss rush style mode, I can't think of a game that purely focuses on just boss after boss after boss after boss. I mean, where are they? I, I'm I'm a getting back into making games, so I'm using RPG Maker MV. If none of you ever tried it. I think it's a really good way to ease into game design, especially for someone like me at a beginner level of coding. I'm really great with coming up with ideas and concepts and everything, but I'm a bad coder. So it's a great entry point. So I'm using RPG Maker MV to make something that's kind of like a boss fighting style game, but it's more of an RPG. So it's this weird mix. I don't know, because I'm, I'm intrigued by those style games, so I'm looking at that. But another type of game, that genre, that it's kind of touched upon... However, I don't think it can be as, it's not as big as it could be, is that atmospheric, immersive style game, all right? And I'm looking at three big examples that come to mind right away is Valley and Submerge. I'll start with those two. I haven't beaten both of them right away. However, they're more of that exploratory atmosphere. Like, you're just exploring this world. There is a goal. You're told, do this thing. And yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Collect the things, do this, do that, whatever you have to do. But it's kind of fun because the game is a little more relaxing. Because it's all about just what's going on around you. And I like that style. I like because it, it lets you just kind of kick back after a bit and become more in tune with the story that's going on. If you're doing a lot of fighting, it's hard to kind of fully embrace the story and take in everything that's going on around you. But the third game that I wanted to bring up that it, it this is the kind of game I'm really thinking about when I'm talking about atmosphere is Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. I talked about it a while back. It came out a couple of years ago. And I think it's an amazing, amazing example of what an immersive atmospheric game can do for you. I just beat it again today. So I mean to go through it again. Now, with Hellblade, for anyone who hasn't played it, I'm not going to talk much about its gameplay stuff because I don't want to spoil too much about the gameplay and the story and things like that. So I'm going to kind of like talk lightly of it just to get the idea across. But I played through it again, and the second time you play through it, it doesn't have as much of an impact on you as it does the first time because playing through blind, which is Hellblade is one of those games, never, ever, ever watch a playthrough of it. You have to play it yourself. Like, there's plenty of other games, like most games, you can watch a let's play of it, whatever. But this game, I feel like to really understand, really get a feel of the game, you have to play it for yourself. It's harrowing. 
it's an experience. Like, it's not really a game. Like, there are there is fighting in it, and the fighting is very simple, but it's actually really enjoyable at the same time. Like, it's not simple bad. It's simple good. Like, they don't let the combat take away from what's really going on. It actually just heightens it because after some time goes by and you get into a fight, you're like, okay, I understand what I got to do. won't take too long. And this is a fun way to kind of break up what's happening. But going through that game and kind of experiencing this whole trip through hell and not your classic style, everything's on fire and brimstone hell. Like most in the game, it the environments are pretty nice. You know, you're along the coast, which you never really think about when you think about hells. No, you're along the beach. You hear the waves crashing, the rocks, the mountains around you. Like it's it's peaceful a lot of the times. And it's what the character goes through, Senua, and it's what the player experiences with her is what really makes the game stick out. And when it first came out and I got some love for its portrayal of Psychosis, was amazing. Now, in terms of making another atmosphere game, I'm not saying we have to make another game that involves some sort of mental illness. I think it's amazing when you can make a game like Hellblade that's able to captivate people and portray this message, this idea of what it's like to have a mental illness, not in a standard educational way. Like, there's education games, an educational game that just tells you how something is. And cool, you learn about it, which is nice, yet experience games, something like Hellblade, where you're able to experience it, is a bit different. And I know, I'm pretty sure Hellblade didn't get it 100% on point. I, I feel confident in saying that. However... The fact that they were able to make this whole thing work with depression, hearing these voices while using a headset, the stress, like the way they did it helped elevate playing the game because of what it put you through. And you feel that stress. You feel like cinema and the acting in this is amazing. Considering they use like the morph suits to catch full body motion and all that stuff for the 3D models. And it's, it's straight up acting like, the faces and everything they capture, it's all with the suits and, like, these upfront cameras. Like, they did this entire, like, dev diary thing for it. And the woman who played Senua, like, she had her own diary series. The acting's amazing in it. So it, it helps elevate the game even more. I like that style. And I want something else like that again. I want another game that I can sit down and I play through. And I'm like, holy shit. That was an experience. Like, in terms of your RPG maker-style games, I played a game one-shot. Really haven't had much time to talk about it on the show. But one-shot, you're the omnipotent being in control of the world. Like, it is it is a game world. Yet, the only person that knows that it's a virtual world is the main character who... And they use some religious God, Jesus, allegory stuff going on here. She's a messiah in this robotic world, and she's able to communicate with the god of the world, who is you, the player. You know, they talk about how Undertale is so great with breaking the fourth wall and all this stuff. I think One Shot did it a hell of a lot better. Because it's it, there's no combat. It's simply just you trying to lead this girl on her quest to save this robotic world that straight up lives in your laptop or PC, whatever your gaming device is. And I don't think it's on any main consoles because... The way it breaks the fourth wall with some of the puzzles, it actually changes what's going on in your files and your desktop. Like throughout the game, you'll get a message that says, look in your, you know, look under this folder in your files and you'll find something new that wasn't there before. Or the one puzzle I remember very well is I had my desktop, you know, my standard background. I'm playing in full screen. The game says minimize 
you know, minimize the game. I'm like, okay. And I minimize the game and my desktop was changed. Like I had all my icons and all my shortcuts, but the image was switched to something else that was needed for the puzzle. So I had to move all my shortcuts out of the way and use the image provided in this puzzle that was given to me in the game. And then after I solved the puzzle, it reverted back to normal. I had my standard desktop image back and I can't find the file, like the picture for the puzzle, like for the desktop image, I can't find where that picture went. So that still gives you kind of that atmospheric immersive style like Hellblade did, just in a different way. Instead of it being harrowing and stressful and giving you this feeling of something else, which in an ironic twist was enjoyable. Like that's why I liked about the game was putting me through something I've never experienced before. One shot puts you through something you never experienced before in a different way. Instead of it being stressful, stressful, it's like, okay, you got to ensure this girl gets to her destination safely, which means you don't just shut the game off normally because it's since it's a robotic world in your laptop or whatever, when you close out of the game, the world goes to sleep. And if she's not somewhere safe, she's not like resting in a bed or something, she could die. I didn't have it happen to me because I was like really like slaving over this game to ensure she was safe because you feel an attachment to this character because she speaks to you and the game speaks to you asking for you to save this world in a very natural way. So yes, it had stress like Hellblade, it just had a different ty- type of stress because it wasn't me feeling what Senna was feeling. It was me feeling like I was responsible for what was going on in the world of One Shot, literally the world in my laptop. Where are those type of games, the boss rush games, like I said, like Fury, that just gives me challenge after challenge after challenge and rewards me simply by saying, continue on. RPGs are fun because the rewards you get is, yes, leveling up, improving abilities, it's things like that. Fury gives you that real sense of accomplishment because it's not just, I need to beat this boss to get this item to continue on, like Legend of Zelda. It's, I need to beat this boss simply because the next challenge awaits me. Like There is no getting the next item or leveling up. It's simply, I need to beat this boss because it is personal to me, because it is me against him, and getting past him gets me on to the next step. Like More of those games. And then where are those atmospheric games? The Hellblades, the one-shots, those kind of games that put some stress on me because it makes me feel like it there's something there's worth something there yes undertale had funny characters don't get me wrong there i played through it and there were some enjoyable moments in the characters but i felt like it was very shoved down your throat like these monsters are you know really good people and have good hearts and everything and you'll love them so don't be mean to them i felt really shoving down my throat and i found it harder to care for that reason because I wasn't seeing flaw in the characters. I saw a flaw in the game by saying, these people are so good, don't harm them, and because you harm them, you're an evil person, fuck off. I thought there was a flaw in the game. But playing through something like Hellblade and seeing the flaws in Senua and the other characters makes them more human and makes me care about what's going to happen. In one shot, seeing the flaws of the main character where she's like, the end of the game, I'm not going to spoil it, but she's sitting there like, I need to save this world. But, like, she's scared because she was transported to this world. The story builds up that she was transported to this world and she doesn't know how or why until the end. So she's going through that stress and she's scared and she doesn't want to continue at times. And you have to, like, she actually talks to you and 
the dialogue is very simple, but that fact that she has to talk to you to get motivated to keep going makes me care because of the immersion there and how it's built. The character is building up the story, and the story builds up the characters in turn. I, I continue to say it because I'm seeing a lot of the same. I'm seeing a lot of sequels or built in the style of this old game or this or that or whatever. And those things can be cool. Like I'm eager to see what that new game that the Duke Nukem guys are making. I'm intrigued by seeing just screenshots of it. It's still another shooter. Now, anyone remember Shadow of the Colossus? Like this was popping, this was popping into my head talking about everything. Anyone who remembers Shadow of the Colossus, I think, kind of has not the perfect marriage, but has a type of marriage between boss rush style gaming and an atmospheric game. Because the only combat in that game is you against the 15 Colossi, one after the other after another. But since it's not like Fury where you fight the one, you go to the next, it's you fight the one, you go back to like, you know, the temple that you start at. There's a cutscene with some dialogue, and then you have to go out and find the next Colossus. It's just you and your trusty horse, all right? That's it. And with that, in terms of atmosphere and immersion, it's great because you can kind of see this world, and it feels like a very natural world, and you're not stressed out until you get to the next battle because it's you just kind of seeing what everything's like. I think Shadow of the Colossus was on the right track, and I know people have talked about this before, like, where Shadow of the Colossus 2? And we don't even need like an exact Shadow of the Colossus 2 sequel, but a game that hits all those points. You know, it has that thrill and that rush of fighting bosses because fighting the boss moves you to the next stage, not because you're going to level up, you're going to get experience or is an optional fight or whatever. It's me against him and I need to continue by defeating him. That is great. And then from there, outside of those fights, take something from like Shadow of the Colossus and then just sprinkle a little bit more in there. Some NPCs, some buildings, some lore tablets, something that allows you to understand a little bit more kind of the world, the characters, things like that. Because then at that point, it gives you that personal challenge, like Fury and like the original Shadow of the Colossus, that personal challenge of, yes, I want to beat this boss, and yes, story reasons I want to beat all these bosses. But with that extra layer of immersion through lore tablets, dialogue with NPCs and things like that, we get a feel for what the world is like. And then that gives us a little more stake in the world. Because when you start to kind of get a feel for the world and understand for the world, you want to continue because it means you're furthering yourself in this universe, in this world. And that is the most rewarding style of game. You're not just leveling up. You're not just getting the next unlockable or this or that. You're actually being like this character in this world and sometimes in the real life life sucks we all know that sometimes it does so being able to be this other person in this different world like acting in a play doing larping playing D, you know that those kind of styles but in a video game form is very rewarding because you're a you're being somewhat different you're able to escape and this is a lot of times about video games before you're able to escape what the real world is like for a little bit and if I can 
get something out of this game, if I can feel something I haven't felt before, or, I don't know, to experience something, understand something new, whatever, is extra rewarding. I know it's not profitable. Like I said, playing through Hellblade and playing through the second time, there's not a lot of replayability in Hellblade. Because the first time you play through it, it's like, holy shit, you get that shocking realization. And then if you want to play through it again, you do it for like the achievements. Beyond that, there's no like alternate ending. There's like an extended ending you can get, which is a little a few extra lines of dialogue, which is nice. It's just like it's not an RPG or build your own adventure style thing. It's just it's always the same story over and over again. And same thing goes like Child of the Colossus and one shot and things like that. The replayability is just do you want to do it again? For essentially the combat, at least when it comes to Shadow Classes and like Hellblade and even Fury, you play through it again just to challenge yourself again. And then at least in the terms of one-shot, they added in this whole thing, but I haven't done it. One-shot is straight up like it's called one-shot for a reason. I'm going to tell you right now. The game is called one-shot for a reason. You have this one chance to complete the game. Once you do, it's done. It's kind of like when you do the uh, genocide route in Undertale. And that's it. Like, the game locks up after you do the genocide route. I think. I honestly can't tell you. I never actually went through and did it just because I never bothered. Also, because Sands, I couldn't get past Sands. I didn't feel like revisiting it. Plenty of reasons going on there. But, like, one-shot's that kind of style. So it kind of locks up. So I know the replayability of these type of games. There isn't much there, which, in terms of the business standpoint, I could see why developers don't look into those games as often because they want to have a game that will have replayability so people feel like they're getting their mileage out of the money and also that allows you for like DLC. Like I remember when Darkest Dungeon came out, it was just Darkest Dungeon, but there's plenty of replayability in it in terms of either you failed because it's a hard-ass game or you just wanted to give it another shot and do it faster or the RNG is lively enough that you don't know what your stage codes are going to have or you discover, you know what, I should have up the blacksmith sooner than the abbey, so I want to do it again to make my life easier and actually get to the ending. There's various reasons to play through Darkest Dungeon again, and then with that, you know, there was, I know at least, like, two to three major DLCs that added on a lot of content in terms of, like, new territories and stuff like that for you to explore, and then some other, like, little things like new classes and stuff. I mean, even Slay the Spire, I know with it, and I'm saying recent because it was in early access for a while, which is fine because the devs are working on it. I know with Slay the Spire, they already have ideas for DLC to keep going with it. You can't do DLC in Hellblade. You can't do DLC in one shot. So those kind of games, those passion projects, yeah, we don't see them that often because a lot of developers, a lot of companies, for the most part, yes, they want to make games because they're passionate about games, but they also want to ensure that they make a game that will bring them somewhere and get a, a shiny profit. And, I don't blame them for that. I I really don't blame them for that. If the greed takes over everything, then I'm upset with it. And, you know, you see with a lot of AAA titles where the greed kind of takes over. It's just a cash grab. I don't like that. But I don't blame people for ensuring that they're going to make a game that they can get some money off of. And not just, especially when it's like you're a group and you're devoting hours upon hours of your life or like working a job on top of it to keep going, you know. You want a little bit out of it. I put this idea out there I am, for what people think. Even if it's like like me, you're that one guy on the couch using some basic software like RPG Maker to make something. It'd be nice to just kind of saturate 
the market a little bit, even with free-to-play games, just give people other experiences. Kind of introduce these other style, these other concepts that we don't see as often. And you know what? Maybe one day we get another, you know, we get another Hellblade or we get another One-Shot, we get another Fury, we get another Shadow of the Colossus, we get another game that is brought in by a decent-sized company that's able to afford the time and the money and devote the resources to giving us something substantial for consoles that will make us just appreciate gaming in a different way. I'm going to call it for now. That's it for this episode. A little on the shorter side, yet... I don't see much going on right now that I can kind of run with. Like, I mentioned the whole Reggie thing, and I've had Nintendo since I was a kid, but I wouldn't say I'm, like, that Nintendo fanboy. I'm kind of like, cool, I I have a Wii. That's, like, the newest console I have for Nintendo, the Wii. So if I put my two cents about Reggie, we talked a little bit about some ideas. So I'm not going to be a dead horse. We're going to call it. And I'll keep an eye out this week. Maybe something comes up for next week, something that really kind of grabs our attention, you know? So for now, take care, everyone. We'll just, uh, you know, I hope all of you are enjoying and surviving this extended winter. It's been very windy. It's been very cold out. So take care, and if you need to, stay warm.